Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath July 24th, we look at Lesson 4, The Cost of Rest. Join us this week as we explore what it means to reflect the light of Christ by basking in His presence. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, and together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. All right, lesson four, the cost of rest. Oh, man, I had a great night's rest uh, rest last night, so uh, I want to hear about this cost, but our memory text <laughs> comes from Psalm chapter 51. Uh, verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Mm. Uh, powerful, probably been said time and time again. Hopefully we can dig a little bit deeper today to, to pull out even more meaning on this. Mm. Uh, Michael, you have anything to add to that? No, I just, you know, I think really um, God calls us to rest in him and to live a life of purity. And uh, when that is missing um then there is that lack and need of rest right so um that's where where we start out by default is is creatures of sin uh is is in need and desiring that rest because we need need christ so amen so hopefully by the end of this yeah we recognize our need for a heart transplant right exactly so uh, talk to us a little bit about being worn and weary on sunday's lesson yeah, absolutely. So, you know, this is the quintessential story uh, in Scripture of uh, utter failure of leadership. Yes, sir. Spiritual leadership. And it's a well-known story. It's been uh, depicted in many different ways and words and art and everything else. Uh, King David standing on the roof of his palace, which mm. now we know where that is. Yeah. Uh, archaeologists in the last few years have been able to identify the king david's palace there so um would have been looking out and seeing a uh, beautiful woman uh bathing second samuel chapter 11 verses uh, one through five and um of course we know what happens david has this affair and um in the midst of that uh, she gets pregnant david sends her husband uh off to war and um and so here we have this kind of uh conundrum Uh, where David has fallen short of the glory of God. He has committed um, sexual immorality. And what happens next and how David handles it is really what this lesson's all about. Um, By the way, I want to just point out, there's kind of a principle here that uh, in, in human nature, um, I, I want to just you know tell a story from many years ago uh, when I was a young pastor, how I remember having a, uh, a person that wanted to become baptized come to church and uh, right away began to become really, really belligerent about the health message. You know, mm. uh, we had some of our pathfinders that were doing like a cookie dough fundraiser and he just went ballistic in church you know oh wow (laughs) it was crazy and i thought what's going on here and i remember talking to him and he had already been kind of asking hey i want to be baptized so i brought him and his wife into my office and you know what buster what really struck me as unusual is at this small little church district out in the country but but one of the nicest offices i ever had and they sat and this big, beautiful conference table in there. They sat on opposite ends of the room as far apart as wow. possible. And here I am in the middle of my pastor's study, you know, in my chair. And I'm like, this seems a little bit odd, don't you think? 
<laughs> and, and so uh, after a little while listening to them, I finally said, you know, I can't help but notice, you know, you guys are on opposite ends of the room, you know, how, how's, how's things with your marriage, you know, and on a scale of, of one to 10 and right away he said, yeah, it's a seven, maybe a six, you know, it's, it's been better, but not too bad. Um, so one being low, 10 and high, you know, so six yeah, or yeah. seven. Um, then I look over at her and she just started having tears come down her cheeks uh, she was so choked up she couldn't speak and and decided the better thing the best thing to do the only thing to do is to just be quiet for a few minutes and, and give her a chance to compose herself and and eventually she was able to finally whisper um, just whisper she said my marriage is a zero it's a zero and she looked over at him and said my husband is addicted to pornography and I remember thinking, you know, okay, so you're worried about cookie dough with the Pathfinders. <laughs> oh, Michael. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the real issue here? Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, it's internal. It's internal. And so uh, sexual immorality. And I wasn't able to baptize him because, you know, he wasn't willing to confront living in real and actual sin in his life at that, at that particular juncture that obviously... Um, he had not surrendered to the Lord. And um, so, yeah, sometimes this is what happens is that if we don't have Christ, um, when temptation comes, we can point the figure, finger, you know, um, last week we talked about hypocrisy, spiritual hypocrisy, all of this. We point the finger at others, but the reality is it's the unconver unconverted heart, the carnal nature, that when temptation comes, that there's no strength, there's no power there yeah. to resist. And that's what happened with David is, uh, here he is, king. He had been a spiritual leader walking with God, but he had lost sight of Jesus in his own personal uh, Christian experience. And um, at that moment of temptation, he fell. And, um, and, and the worst part, the worst part of, of this is that with the, the unconverted heart is the, is the desire to cover things up cover things up. 2 Samuel, uh, again, chapter 11, same chapter, verses 6 through 27, tells the rest of the story. And to go get Uriah, and he tries to get him um, to go sleep with his wife. That doesn't work. So then he sends him out and ultimately sends him out to the heat of the battle where Joab is told to withdraw his men, leaving him stranded there, and he certainly dies. And and so it it, it looks like a great cover up from yeah. all external experience, you know, from outside appearances. Uh, her husband has died a war hero. She yeah. he's made things look really good, yeah. and now he's off the hook for the most part. And um, so David has covered up his sin, um, but. Um, at the very end of verse 27, it says the thing David had done displeased the Lord. Yeah. yeah. So he may have gotten away with it if it hadn't been the fact that God eventually will now uh, hold him accountable. So that leads us to this wake up call buster. Yeah. You know, uh, oftentimes we hear about Nathan. We've heard, uh, for those of you who haven't heard this story before, I encourage you to read all of second Samuel, uh, chapter 12 and mm -hmm. it'll, it'll give you a clear picture. But can you imagine being tasked with going to go tell the king that he has done this wrong? Yeah. When when no one really knows, maybe a couple of people that were on the front lines, he told them to step back. They're like, what's going on here, right? There's some rumors exactly. and speculations. Exactly. But this is the same David that when uh, Saul's uh, armor bearer t says, I'm the one that killed Saul before uh, they came to kill him. The Philistines came to kill him. I killed him with my own sword. David said, have this man killed, right? So I can imagine what's going on in the psyche of Nathan as he's coming along. 
he's coming along with, yes, he's coming along with the Lord, but he's also saying, I can't approach this how I would approach this with a servant or with someone else. This is the king. So he tells them this parable about someone who, who stole and, and the sheep and this poor lamb and his bra is malnourished. And he comes with uh, 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 verse 13. Uh, so David said to Nathan, uh, no, I'm sorry, before then, uh, David speaks up to him and says, you know what? Have this man killed, whoever did this. Mm. And uh, I love how Nathan comes and says, you are that man. You are that man. And immediately that's when verse 13, David says, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. Yeah. Uh, so David's like, it's, it's good that I die. Right, it's terrible to be a prophet. <laughs> it is. It is terrible. You know, I mean, can you imagine? And this is actually a good story, right? Yeah, right. Because <laughs> some of it ends with it does end with death, right? Yeah, yeah. It ends with uh, Son and Jer- Yeah, Jeremiah ends with you being in prison, weeping. Yeah. Uh, over the over the over the people that won't hear you. And yeah. It, it's a testament to David's character, right? It is. Uh, he had authority mm-hmm. uh, as a king to mm-hmm. continue the cover up. He could have continued to. He could have killed Nathan and said, "Anyone who speaks of this will die." Yeah. Uh, but instead, he accepts it, and and it uh, talks about the contrast between Psalm fifty-one, verse four and thirteen, where he says, "I have sinned against the Lord, and uh, the Lord has also put away your sin; you shall not die." But then Psalm fifty-one, verse four, I'm turning there mm. right now, it says this: mm. "Against you, you only, have I sinned." Talking to God, it says, "And have done evil in your sight, that you may be found just." When you speak and blameless when you judge, so God against you have sinned. I, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, this repentance that comes from deep because yeah. of this wake up call, and mm-hmm. and and you see here, the spirit which Nathan approached David is beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I care about you. God cares about you, and this is why I'm giving you this wake up call. Notice it wasn't because he's trying to. I'm sorry for all intents and purposes, maintain the purity of the church. Mm. The church is built up of people. It is. Right? And our appearances, I would I would rather us look dingy and whatever dirty as we truly are, rather than holding up appearances of which we really are not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and this, this really has volume, speaks volumes to the, you know, right in the last, uh, especially the last decade, there's been a lot of uh, sex sexual abuse kinds of scandals and yes. different denominations. <clears throat> if we're really honest, it, it's, it exists in all denominations because there's human yes, nature of those people. But how people deal with it matters and how the church deals with it matters. And if I'm hearing you right, Buster, um, rather than kind of sweeping things under the rug and letting kind of try to let things slide by, really um, God's calling us to accountability and say, hey, um, when those things happen, call sin by its right name and yeah. call it out. Yep, uh, absolutely. Call it out and mm-hmm. confess, compit, yeah. or repent. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and 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 we see David doing this here towards mm-hmm. God, saying, mm-hmm. "God, I'm so sorry. Like, forgive yeah. me." And so that's a great wake up call. And so it tell is. us a little bit now, Michael, about being forgiven and forgotten. Yeah. So Second Samuel twelve, going on from verse ten to verse twenty three, talks about kind of the rest of the story. Yeah. Uh, you know what happens next, and there is um, lots of fallout and repercussions. And and I, th- I think some people kind of have this notion that if they just you know pray and say God forgive me, then all their problems will go away. Well. And it, that just doesn't happen. And, and and truly, David is forgiven, right? 
Um, God forgives him, but there are still consequences to his sins. There, people don't forget uh, very easily what has taken place. And so there's actually several different levels of fallout. Um, first is his own family. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and God actually predicts, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take your wives and give them to one who is close to you. Um, and so, uh, and then uh, he goes on to warn that the child uh, who's born out of this unholy union will actually die as well. So, so it's, it's affecting his home, his very personal life, the very inner sanctum of the, the, the harem, if you please, of the, of, of the, of the kingdom. Um, and uh, even the child. And so there's great personal pain that comes about as well. And sure enough, the, the chapter documents, it tells the story how the child actually does die. And then, um, and then afterwards it talks about some of his servants and so on, that, um, that there, there is whispering in the palace, right? So there's a, a challenge, not only a personal challenge, but a challenge of leadership. There's a lack of confidence because here's someone that we esteemed and they have fallen short of 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 what you know of, of God's expectations here, and so um, and and this will have repercussions that will extend eventually throughout all the kingdom. Because it's one thing when you have an individual, but when you have a church leader, yeah, it's it, the repercussions are much larger, and that's that's why we hold our pastors, our, that's why we hold church leaders to higher standards of accountability, uh, because. Uh, the consequences when things go wrong um, have much more... The trickle I mean, effect. The, yeah, it, 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 it hurts uh, a much broader scope of people, right? Um, and so, yeah, there needs to be that account accountability. So forgiven, yes. Forgotten, no. Yeah, I'm with you there. So something new. Yeah. And so uh, it goes on to talk a little bit about, it says... What does David feel he really needs, and what does he yearn for? There, bottom of fifty-one, verse six, uh, yeah. Psalm fifty-one, mm -hmm. uh, and, it, and it actually leads up to something new in Wednesday's lesson as well, mm -hmm. uh, Michael. And going back to Psalm fifty-one, which is a beautiful, beautiful. Oh, and I forgot to prayer. read the first couple of verses of it. Too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, uh, you do that, and <laughs> okay. I'll continue on. I got, 12. I got too excited here. No, uh, but one of the great prayers of of transgression in scripture just a beautiful beautiful prayer here have mercy on me O god according to your unfailing love according to your great compassion blot out my transgressions wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin for i know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you and you only have i sinned and done what is evil in your sight so you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. And and what's interesting is in the right above this, it says this is the psalm he wrote after Nathan, you know, confronted him with the fact that he committed adultery. So it's very clear this is a response of a truly mm -hmm. repentant heart. Yeah. And you know what I love about this as mm -hmm. uh, something new talks about in Wednesday's lesson, 7 through 12, he talks about purging me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Watch me, I'll be whiter than the snow. So I recognize your, your ability to forgive me. Mm -hmm. But uh, I love this here, uh, mm -hmm. 10, yes, creating me a clean heart of God and renew a steadfast spirit within me, uh, recognizing that my heart is, man, it's stone. I need that heart of flesh, right? Yeah. But listen to this, verse 13. 
Then I will teach transgressors your, your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. In the midst of forgiveness and confession, it actually leads others to conversion. Wow. When I have the courage and integrity to say, Lord God, forgive me for what I've done. Yeah. In front of others, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It says it, it leads to not only to my character transformation, yeah, but it's the it's the character transformation that keeps on transforming. Love it, love and, it. And uh, it asks this question here: it says, how does this differ from Adam and Eve hiding from the presence of God? Verse eleven and twelve. Wow. And he says, "Do not cast me away from your spirit. Do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, mm-hmm. and uphold me by your generous spirit." Yeah. He's saying. God, I don't want to be out of your presence. Please, I don't want to yeah. hide from you. Please don't hide from me. Mm. And so he's pleading for the presence of God in his life. Yeah. He knows what it's like to be out of the presence of God. Yeah. And he knows what it's like to be in the presence. And he wants to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love it. And so uh, hopefully that's our thing as well, which mm-hmm. is, I was just talking to a, a prayer partner yesterday, last mm-hmm. night. Mm. Uh, he's serving as a missionary overseas right now. And he said, you know, when I feel guilty about not spending the time and devotion and prayer that I should, mm-hmm. he said, oftentimes I find myself straying further away from God. He's like, I want that to turn around to now bring me closer to God. Wow. To be a driving factor. And I think that's the, hopefully that's all of our prayers, mm-hmm. which is if you're far away from God, do whatever it takes, fight and claw your way back into the presence of God. Simply by asking this prayer, Lord, hide me not from your presence. Take yeah. not your Holy Spirit away from me. Wow. Strive with me, and Lord, help me to strive with you. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Michael, when we're in the presence of God, we actually reflect God's light. Tell us how sure. to truly be reflectors of God's light. You know, I the story that came to mind is a story I've been researching this summer. Yeah, um, That sure. kind of builds on what you were talking about and, and on Thursday's lesson as well. Uh, it's the story of Rafael Lopez, the very first Seventh-day Adventist uh, uh, indigenous person from from Puerto Rico that becomes Seventh-day Adventist. Amazing story. Uh, When the first missionaries went there, they were having a really hard time. Nobody wanted to listen to them. Who are these foreigners? What do they have to say? And uh, he was there, and and his son had tragically died, and, and he just, his life fell apart, and he became a drunkard, and he would come home, his family would later recount where they were just utterly afraid of him. Mm. Uh, he would be abusive, mm. and then suddenly the, the light of God's love lit up his heart, and mm. he had this incredible conversion, and... And what was so powerful is all these people who knew him as a drunk and a, an abuser and everything else suddenly saw what Christ could do in his life. His life was just radically changed. And although he had, had all these terrible things happen, um, the witness of his own conversion, of his new life with Christ was such that it got people's attention. So I've been really excited because I, I didn't know his story. The very first Seventh-day Adventist in Puerto Rico, if we have any Puerto Ricans listening in, a mm. uh, little shout out to our friends in Puerto Rico uh, in different parts of the world. Um, hey, uh, give us a little shout at uh, our, our Facebook page for the Sabbath School Rescue. We yeah, want to know if we do. got some, some listeners from Puerto Rico by chance. And, uh, and by the way, I've got the full story on Rafael Lopez. By the way, he becomes the first... Adventist martyr in Central America. That's just a little teaser. Wow. I've got an article coming out in Adventist World about his life that'll be coming out later this year. So a little teaser uh, to check that out and learn more about his story. Excellent. Anyways, um, back to our lesson here. Psalm 51 verses 13 to 19. 
And I'm not going to read all the end of this passage. Read Psalm 51 sometime. Memorize it, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it says, My sacrifice is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. So in our utter brokenness of our lives, when we find that we've hit rock bottom, sometimes we have to hit rock bottom. Hopefully not. Yeah, ho- hopefully, <laughs> hopefully not. not. But when we do, at those moments in our lives, whatever they are, that's when God says, Hey, um, God God can actually work if we're open and allow him to. And, and here... David had hit, literally hit rock bottom. And um, and it says at the very end um, uh, that, uh, open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. Actually, it's verse 15. Um, and I, I like this here because this idea of sacrifice, my sacrifice, giving and surrendering our life, that's what it's talking about. That is a broken spirit. And and, and that's when we need God to work. And it says, compare Psalm 51 and 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, uh, where it says that he is faithful and just to forgive, mm-hmm. right? That's this idea that we can have confidence in our brokenness when we go and ask God and say, Lord, I messed up. I made a mistake. Please forgive me. Out of a genuine request from our hearts, if we're authentic and real with God about that, that God is faithful to forgive us our sins and we can have confidence and cleanse us. Exactly. That God loves us and wants to, he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. Amen. You know, I I love how this uh, Thursday's lesson ends with reflectors of God's light. I I remember I preached a sermon and a retired minister came to me. I preached on Matthew chapter 5, 16. So let your light so shine before men mm-hmm. that they may mm-hmm. glorify your Father in heaven, right? And I remember yeah. saying, like, we're, we're called to shine. And he, he came to me after. He says, says, Buster, he's like, I have to tell you something. We are not the emitters of light. Wow. We are simply the reflectors. Wow. He says the only way to reflect is by to be is to be in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, he's like, like, like just like a, a glow in the dark, whatever it, whatever it is, it can't actually glow in the dark unless it's it's uh, has fluorescent light shine, showing up on it, and they immediately turn the lights out. Yeah. And it continues to shine, but the longer you stay in the dark, the less the less it begins to to reflect. Yeah. And so that's what we're called to do, Michael, and that's what you're describing there, mm-hmm. which is reflecting the love, reflecting the light by being in the presence of God. Uh, like Raphael, what you say his last name is? Lopez. Lopez. Yeah, I, I'm look, story. looking yeah. forward to, to hearing that because yeah. the closer we get to God, the more we reflect his light and his love. Yeah, yeah. This indefatigable missionary, I guess I should tell just a little bit more, not leave you the yeah, hanging too much, but but he later goes on as a missionary down to Venezuela, yeah. uh, to Dominican Republic, he just keeps on sharing Christ for the next, uh, I don't remember exactly how many years, like 10 years or whatever. But as he's continuing to share God's love, um, the people get more and more worked up trying to warn, warn him to stop, you know, and stop. It, the priests were telling him, don't read the literature. He feels compelled by God to keep sharing. Eventually goes up into the mountains and he's shot dead. Wow. But the testimony of the blood continues on because that little mountain remote village where he died where he's buried to this day there's now a seventh day adventist church is a testament to his faithfulness and so he becomes the very first adventist martyr in latin america so wow. just incredible story of how god took a drunkard just with an absolute broken life and god turned it around and used it to his glory to advance the gospel in new territories new places where other people wouldn't even go yeah and i'm praying that all of us mm-hmm. We recognize our missionary calling as well, right? Exactly. Uh, wherever we are, yeah. 
to be the, those reflectors. Absolutely. Well, that's uh, another week. This is Soup. And Swoops, signing, signing out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.